Access is the Young Adults Ministry of Resurrection Life Church. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kareens. Let me tell you just a little bit about Ephesians, and then we're going to get right to the scripture. Ephesians is absolutely ridiculous, in a good way, all right? This book is absolutely incredible. This is one of the only books that Paul wrote that has absolutely zero correction in it. You remember the, the book of Galatians? There was one chapter where he starts off by saying, oh, you foolish Galatians, who has deceived you, right? This book has zero correction in it. All the other books that he wrote, there were stuff and issues going on in the church that he had to deal with head on and give them some real hardcore truth. This book has absolutely none. And Paul actually reaches higher into Christian thought than in any other book of the New Testament, in any other book that he writes, and many scholars and theologians, which I'm not a scholar and a theologian, I just love Jesus and I try to do my best at preaching the gospel, but I'm just telling you what they believe. Some of them believe that it's his Magna Carta. It's his best writing. Some others have said that if you want the Cliff's Notes version of the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, Read Ephesians. And the beautiful thing about it, friends, is that it's only six chapters. Come on, somebody. That's a good thing. You know what I mean? So I, I really want you guys to join in with me and be reading through Ephesians. You can go, you know, use the message translation, use the NLT, the NIV, something like that. But be reading along with me as we're going through this series. And I just dare you to do it because God just might be speaking to you through it. Amen. Does anybody desire that? No? Okay. You guys with me tonight? Yeah. So, so it reaches higher in a Christian thought than any other book. And if it is the Cliff Notes version, if it is of Genesis to Revelations in six chapters, we know something. This is going to be absolutely jammed and power-packed, full of truth. Matter of fact, chapter one is so ridiculously full of goodness that I'm only going to get through like three scriptures tonight. <laughs> It's like Paul starts off Ephesians chapter one, guns blazing. You ever, you know, seen Scarface, Tony Montana? Say hello to my little, and he's, he's just like, he's machine gunning these deep, profound, unbelievably godly truths about who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ. The first three chapters are ridiculous they are unbelievable. They actually unpack some of the deepest theological truths that we find anywhere in the Bible outside of the words of Jesus. So we're going to find out some things about who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ, the riches that we have because of what he has done in the first three chapters. And then the, the, the last three chapters, chapter four, five, and six, this is what I love about Paul. He gives us some, re, some really, really practical truths and practical things that we can put into practice in our walk with God. And it's, it's super practical, and we're going to learn how to follow Christ in chapter 4, 5, and 6. So I'm excited about this. I don't know if you can tell, and I haven't preached for three weeks, so I might get to preaching tonight. We might be here till Saturday, okay? So just <laughs> buckle in. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm going to be a good steward of your time. And I got kids in childcare, so we got to be done by 9 at the latest, but we'll get done by 8.30, okay? Bring it. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to the scripture. You guys ready? Yeah. No, that's not good enough. I'm going to stop. You guys ready? Yeah! All right, that's good enough. Here we go. Verse three. All praise to God, 
the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Let me say it one more time. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now catch this particular phrase. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Now, you may have heard that scripture tossed around in a prayer meeting or church circles or a church service many, many times. Have you ever heard somebody pray if you've been in church any length of time? You know, God, I just thank you that you have blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms, okay? I know that I've heard it over and over and over. And every time I hear it, you know what I do? I'm like, yeah, awesome. But then I'm, I'm, I'm studying it and I'm actually asking myself, what the heck does that mean, right? Come on, somebody, what does that mean? Blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Where is the heavenly realm? I'm not asking, you know, it's like, you guys ask these questions, right? Like, what, is, what does that mean? What the heck does that mean? So I'm asking myself, what, what does that mean? Well, we're gonna unpack that a little bit later, but remember that. Because verse four, it goes on and it says this, even before he made the world, now try to wrap your brain, your mind and your heart around this. Before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So God, before he even created the world, he already loved us and chose us. What the heck? You know, there's just, there's just things that we're not going to understand about God on this side of, of eternity. You know what I mean? And here's the thing. I think a lot of people actually believe that when we get to heaven, we're going to figure out God. No, let me tell you what scripture, what is scriptural. Even when we get to heaven, we're going to spend the next billion years figuring out who God is and what he's all about. Isn't that fun? I don't, I don't, I don't want to worship a God that I've got all figured out. How about you? So he chose us to be holy and without fault in his eyes through Jesus Christ. Verse five, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. God wanted to do this, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son, and he forgave our sins. He has showered us with his kindness along with all wisdom and all understanding. Somebody say amen. Okay, time out, 30-second time out. Prayer break. Good with that? Because I need it. I need some prayer tonight. How about you? Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for this time that we get to spend together. I thank you that um, these scriptures are absolutely beautiful and wonderful and amazing. I just pray that uh, you'd help me preach really, really good. But more importantly than that, I pray that every single one of us in this room would come to know you a little bit more tonight, that we draw closer and closer to you because you're a good father and we just love you for that. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. And God, we are so madly in love with you. And again, I just thank you that Michigan was victorious and Michigan State looked like a JV team. I took great pleasure in that. You know this, Lord. You know all things. I can pray about all things. So in Jesus' name, we all together said, amen, amen. amen. If you're offended that I just prayed for football, this might not be the church for you. You know, I'm just obeying scripture. We can pray about anything. And you know what I'm saying? God's a good dad, and God likes what his children like. You know what I'm saying? Because I know I like what my children like. So Nick didn't like that so much, but I love you.
okay? <laughs> Not a football fan. Anyway, okay, I got, I got a transition here. Any of you ever, um, I don't know, done something in your past that you're not really proud of? You know, I think we all have, every single one of us has. I didn't, I didn't mean for you to raise your hands, but I appreciate the truthful ones in this room. The rest of you, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. Because we've all messed up, we know, we've got a past. Every single one of us has got a past, right? which is cool, but you know, some of you know about my past, okay, because I've talked about it publicly a few times, it's on Google, don't Google me, please, <laughs> I'm serious, don't, uh, but my past is, you know, uh, you guys know kind of how I was before Christ, if you've, if you've heard my story at all, and, but hey, I'll tell you what, we've all got a past, so don't judge me, okay, don't judge me for what I'm about to tell you, all right? I'm gonna dig back into some painful stuff. I'm gonna share some painful stuff with you, but I think the story within this painful stuff is gonna paint a picture for us that is just gonna be absolutely amazing. So, 2009, May of 2009, I'm arrested for drunk driving possession of cocaine. And, uh, you know, I had been in this Bible study leading up to that time, and, and I didn't know Christ at the time, didn't want to, you know, follow him with my whole life. I never said yes to Jesus and, and what he did at the cross, you know, but I was contemplating it. And then this arrest takes place, and really shortly after this arrest took place is when I decided, yes, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm going to follow you the rest of my life no matter what, right? And I still remember, Lindsay remembers this too, uh, when I made that decision to follow the Lord, I remember specifically people saying, well, oh, that's just jailhouse religion. I mean, yeah, if, if, you know, if I was arrested and, and went to prison or went to jail for any, it's easy to give your life to Jesus in those moments, right? I just wonder how long it's going to be till he screws up again. I wonder what they're thinking eight years later. Come on, somebody. You know, I still love Jesus. I'm still for Jesus and I'm preaching Jesus. Okay. All right. No. Okay. So, so that takes place. I get arrested and you know, when you get arrested, something you got to do is what? You got to get a you got to get an attorney, right? So I acquired an attorney because I had to know what I was facing in the legal realm, what ramifications I was going to get because I sure was guilty. I was caught red-handed, you know. And so I meet with my attorney. I sit down. I won't mention his name, but a great guy. Um, knows the law back and forth, has been doing it for like 50 years, his brother's a judge, blah, 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 knows his stuff. So we sit down and we're doing our, our consultation and I gotta know, and by the way, this time, at this time, uh, I had given my life to following Jesus, okay? And, and, and was radically changed and, and, and so we're sitting down and I said, what am I looking at? What kind of a sentence and what kind of discipline am I gonna get from the legal system? And he looks at me and he says, well, what we're going to do, Kurt, is we are going to plead guilty under 7411. I said, yes, they have great Slurpees. What does that have to do with me? You know? And I said, literally, what, what do you mean? What, what is 7411? And he looks at me and he says uh, the following. I'm going to read it um, because... It is, it is pretty verbatim what I'm about to read to you, what he read off to me uh, in, from the legal system and what 7411 means. So Michigan has this delayed sentence option for drug use and possession crimes, which they term under 7411 for short. So it allows those who have never been convicted of either use or possession of a controlled substance the opportunity to plead guilty under 7411. So here's what happens. 
you enter a plea of guilty and then the judge sentences you to a probation period which could include, you know, like random drug tests, alcohol tests, uh, drug and alcohol classes, whatever it may be, whatever he deems necessary. So then if you successfully complete all of the requirements that the judge sentences you to, get this, after you complete the requirements that the judge sentences you to, then no judgment of guilt or being guilty of any crime whatsoever will appear on your public record ever for the rest of your life. More importantly, since the judgment of guilt is entered, the Secretary of State doesn't impose any driver's license sanctions either. And I don't know about you, but the Secretary of State is hell on earth. <laughs> Has anybody ever been to the Secretary of State? Do you know people literally believe that there is no hell? Do you know what I tell people? Have you ever been to the Secretary of State? No, there is a real hell. Go spend the afternoon at Secretary of State and then times that by a thousand, that's what hell's gonna be like. It is brutal, right? So that is important to me. When I heard that, I was like, oh, Jesus, yes. I'm good with that, but listen to what I'm saying. So after you successfully complete the probationary period with all the requirements that the judge throws on you under 7411, come out on the other side of it, they let you go, a free man, a free woman, and they wipe your record completely clean and there will be nothing ever seen on your public record ever again. I was completely blown away when I heard this, right? And then I'm thinking to myself, I remember saying, hold on a second, man, I'm guilty. Like, I deserve the punishment that's coming to me. I deserve whatever justification, you know, the, the justice system has in place. I deserve all of that and more. I am guilty. And you're telling me that under the 7411, if I just plead guilty and jump through some hoops that the judge sets for me and get out on the other side, you're telling me that all of my wrongdoings, all of this cocaine business, all of this stuff is just wiped absolutely clean and, and that's it? And he says, that is absolutely what I'm telling you. And I looked at him and I said, well, here's, I said to my turn, I said, that sounds too good to be true. And he looked back at me and you know what he said? It is too good to be true. It is too good to be true, but it is a legal reality and that's exactly what we're gonna do. Does anybody else hear the gospel in this for a minute? If you didn't, let's read Romans chapter three, verse 23. It says this, for everyone, say everyone. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Listen, not only do we fall short of God's glorious standard, friends, but the reality is, is that we fall short of our own standards for ourselves. Am I speaking some truth up here? We fall short of the standards that we place on ourselves, let alone the standards that God places on us. Every single one of us. But verse 24, I love the first two words. It says, yet God. By the way, anytime in scripture when you're reading the Bible and you see a yet God or a but God, a yet God or a but God, why am I doing that? I don't know. But you know what is about to happen after you see a yet God or a but God? He's about to drop a God bomb on you. You know, 
The translation of that urban vernacular I just used means something really, really, really good is about to be stated in the scriptures. And he goes on, it says, yet God freely and graciously declares. And by the way, God is the highest judge. God is the judge of all judges. And he declares that we are righteous. Hold on a second, that's crazy talk. This is crazy talk, friends. How can that be possible? How does that happen? He goes on and said it. He did this through Christ Jesus. How can it be possible, you say? Jesus. It's possible because of Jesus. It's possible because of Jesus, not what you did, not what your judge says, not what your attorneys. It's possible in, in God's legal system because of Jesus. Friends, there is a 7411 of the Bible, and we're reading it right now. Here it is. Let's keep going. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty for our sins, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God. Listen to me and hear me well, because Christianity has nothing to do with you doing right. It has nothing to do with behavior modification. It has nothing to do with how well you are doing at following the list of rules. You cannot earn your own salvation. Christianity has never been about that, and churches get it wrong many times. And if you've ever had a pastor or a preacher tell you, do this, do this, do this, and then you can join our club, get out and run. I'm telling you, Christianity has always, always, always been about being made right with God. Because the truth is, is that when you're made right with God through what Jesus Christ did, something happens on the inside of you that will have external implications that will change your life. But there is no way around it. You can't fix yourself and you cannot change yourself. I can't change my wife. She can't change me. Only Jesus can. By the way, he goes on and he says, people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. He did this to demonstrate how awesome he was. For he himself is fair, he's just, and he, catch this, deep down in your hearts tonight. He declares sinners which is every single one of us in this room and everybody watching and everybody listening on podcast. He declares, the judge of all judges declares all sinners. Are you hearing me? Yes. He declares all sinners to be right in his sight when they believe what Jesus did. Yeah. Is it? That is the gospel. It doesn't get any deeper than that. There is no pool that gets deeper than that in Christianity. And by the way, what that, what that term is biblically, it's called justification. Do you know what justification is? We just read through it. God has wiped your slate clean through Jesus Christ. This is the 7411 of the scripture. But let me tell you something. God's legal system and God's way of doing it is so much better than the legal system that I had to go through to get 7411 because, hold on a second, I'm going somewhere with this. You remember how my attorney looked at me and he said, when I said, man, that sounds like it's too good to be true. He says, yes, it is too good to be true. But this is a legal reality. 
And as long as you do what the judge requires and you get through on the other side, your slate's gonna be wiped clean. Well, let me tell you what, when you believe in what Jesus Christ did for you and you just say yes to that, God makes you jump through zero hoops. You are instantaneously cleared of all wrongs, anything that you've ever done in your entire lifetime, the whole slate gets wiped clean, free of charge. God's system is better than our system. And by the way, that is God's reality. Remember how my attorney said, no, this is a legal reality. What I'm telling you and what we just read through, what Paul's telling us is that in the spiritual realm, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. By the way, the heavenly realm, I don't know where it is. All I know is this. It's an eternal realm. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the eternal realm through Jesus Christ. Justification of our sins, of all of our wrongdoings, of all of our stuff, all of our junk, all of our failures, all of our stuff that we have done is washed clean the moment we believe in Jesus. 7411 of the Bible. And justification simply means this, in a nutshell, it is just as if you never did it. Now, this is God's reality. And God's reality must become our reality. Because when his reality becomes our reality, it changes things on the inside of us. We have been justified by Jesus Christ. Now, justification isn't just that. There's more to it. But I want you to see something in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. We read it, but I don't know if you caught it. So let's catch it. It says this, even before he made the world, God, God loved us and he chose us. By the way, the title of my message tonight is chosen. He chose us in Christ to be holy. Now catch this next piece. Without fault in his eyes. That's justification. Verse three We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Verse four, now in Jesus Christ, we are holy and faultless without blame in God's eyes. He's talking about justification. It's so easy to breeze through scripture like this without really understanding the depth of what Paul is trying to communicate to us. And he starts right off the bat, just like pow, 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 pow. This is justification, and then he puts them back in, right? God has set you completely free because Jesus is amazing. So we've been justified by the victory of Jesus Christ and all of our messes, all of our fairies, all of our wrongdoings, every bit of our past, God sees it no more because now he sees you and me in Jesus. And let me tell you something, there is somebody that never sinned. There is somebody that was spotless, the spotless lamb of God. There is somebody that got it all right when we got it all wrong. And all of our sins were imputed to him. And guess what got imputed back to us? His righteousness. And we don't deserve it. But neither did those Papa John's guys. <laughs> but we gave it to him anyway. Come on, somebody. That's a good word. Now... But it's twofold in nature. Justification is twofold in nature. So we're forgiven based on what Jesus did. And because of that, we're also welcomed with open arms into God's family. 
Ephesians 1, verse 5, the very next verse says this, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. God chose us to be a part of his family. And if we don't, listen to me, he's talking about adoption, which is a, and I know we, we, we hear that term thrown around in our culture a lot. And we, I know of, you know, many of you in here possibly could have been adopted. And maybe you were overlooked by your parents. Maybe your parents just couldn't flat out raise you. Maybe they weren't in a situation and you were adopted into a family. You know exactly what the Bible's talking about because adopted children have access to everything that their parents have, whether they're biological or not. This word adoption is so rich and it's so thick, but if we don't wrap our minds and our hearts around what adoption truly means... Here's what might possibly happen to some of us. We will become legalistic, church-going rule followers who will become extremely rude, mean, and lonely in life. Some of the meanest people that I know on planet Earth are people who are legalistic, religious. Come on, am I speaking some truth up here tonight? Am I? Okay. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I am. So we need to wrap our minds around what adoption means. And I know something, I may not know everybody in this room, and I know I sure don't, and, and we're growing, and, 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 but let me tell you something. I know something about every single one of us in this room, myself included, male, female, young and old alike. We all share a commonality with one another. You want to know what it is? We all desire to be chosen. We all desire to be chosen. And I'm a man's man, okay? But I'll tell you what, I desire to be chosen. How about you, men? You do too. And here's the interesting thing is that the scripture tells us that God chose us before he even created this planet, the heavens and the earth, he chose us to be adopted into his family and it gave him great pleasure to do this. He wanted to do that. We all desire to be chosen. You guys remember, um, well, I'm sure you guys remember elementary school, right? Right? I'm, I'm getting up there. I'm in my mid-30s now, so I had to reach back for this one, but you got, I think you all are gonna like this one. Elementary school, my favorite uh, part of the day was recess. So, uh, you know what's funny? I, my nine-year-old son, he's in third grade, and two years ago in first grade, we would ask him, hey, son, so like, what do you, what do you enjoy about, you know, what, what do you enjoy about school? And he, his response was nothing, so I made him give me three things that he was thankful for at school. I said, no, you're gonna give me three things right now. What are you thankful for at school? What do you like about your school? And he says, well, dad, I like recess, I like gym, and I like when I get to go home. I said, amen. <laughs> Isn't that awesome response, right? I said, I the total dude answer, you know? That's my boy, right? And, uh, <laughs> but recess for me was the same. And we used to play, you know, when the weather was good, we used to play a lot of kickball. Yeah. Anybody remember kickball, right? 
But, but here's what would happen in kickball. Uh, you would have uh, two captains, essentially. You remember the two captains that got to choose the teams, right? And then you'd have this whole pool of like other people getting ready to get picked and be chosen, right, for the teams, like kind of waiting together. Everybody's like, oh, God, I just want to be chosen. I just, you know, pick me, pick me, right? And, and the captains are like, yeah, I'll take my buddy. That's my, you know, he's not very athletic, but you're my boy. Come on, you know? And then you'd start going down and, oh, yeah, she's fast. I'll take her on my team, you know? And you kind of get to know people, whether they're athletic, not, and they're my buddy, you know, or not. So you start picking people. And then what happens is the process of selection whittles it down to about four people. And then those four people are like, oh, God, no, no. I, I, you remember? And this might have been you, right? And uh, Nick said it was him. I, I asked him about this earlier. He said, that was actually me. I was usually the last one picked. I said, God bless you. And, and so... Here's, here's, and then four people, oh God, pick me, pick me, I want to be chosen, you know, and then it gets down to the final two, and how dehumanizing. Do you know what I'm saying? But when you're a kid, it does, it's like you don't even really think about it, you know, I'm talking like second, you know, third grade-ish, you know, you're starting to play this stuff, it does, it, you don't really think about it all that much, and then the last two people, one person gets picked and chosen, and he's like, yeah, thank you, I'm coming, you know, and runs over to the team, and then the person that's left behind never actually got chosen, and so they just like, well, I guess I'm going to have to come over there, but you know, like they didn't get chosen, but they walk over to that team like the walk of shame, you know, I mean, how horrible was that, and I was, it was pretty bad, it's horrible, man, it's like, this is stuff that they might be getting free of like right now, horrible. You know what I'm saying? And so here's what ended up happening though with me. I was usually kind of the guy that was, I was the, I was the captain a lot. So I got to choose the teams a lot. And, uh, and, and I started noticing as I was like third and fourth grade, I started noticing that this was happening over and over and over and over again. And so when I was the captain, and like I remember, I had to have been around third or fourth grade. I remember as I was picking my team one day, and I just started picking the people that always got picked last. You come on, you come on, and then I'd pick somebody that was good. Okay, you come on, <laughs> and then I, you know, I got we got to try to win, like you know, and and but I'll take you. I can win with you. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like I'll carry the team on my back. That's what I thought. I was a cocky young little punk. You know, and, and, but I'd start picking them, you know, because it was even early on, I just remember, I remember this. I remember specifically thinking in my young childhood brain, like, you know, it is more important for them to feel good about themselves than it is for me to win a kickball game at recess. So come on. I choose you. I choose you. Do you know what I'm saying? And that, that was just the captain of the kickball team. What Paul is saying is that the captain of the universe has chosen you. And, 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 and here's, here's the cool thing about it is that, you know, we've all been overlooked at one point in our life. We've all been underappreciated at one point in our lives. We've all experienced not being chosen. You may think that I've never experienced I have. I've experienced that. And I'm not going to go into it, but I've experienced it. But here's the deal. Every single one of us longs to be chosen. And guess what? Your father in heaven is so crazy about you that he chose you in the first round. Not second round, not 20th round, not the 30th, not the seventh, not the sixth, not the fifth. He chose all of us equally the same in the first round because we are all equal in his eyes. No matter what your race, your color, whatever, he chose us. And he adopted us into his family. I'm going to end. Worship team, why don't you guys come up? We're going to end with one more worship song after I conclude here. But I need to end um, with one story that I, that I want to share with you that I heard 
somebody else uh, share a personal experience that they had regarding adoption. That is extremely powerful, and I may cry, but I'm a man, and it's okay to cry. As I was thinking about this earlier, I literally did cry. So I'm going to try not to cry. You know what I'm saying? You guys know I don't like crying in public. I've done it before, and I hate it. So pray for me right now. You just pray, and I'll tell the story, okay? What would you say? Get over it. Get over it. I think they sang a song about that. Okay, back to the story. <laughs> We're getting off track. But here's a story. I heard another, uh, another pastor uh, tell this story, and, and he, had, he and his wife had an opportunity to be a part of an adoption process, actually the final verdict of whether or not this young lady, I believe this young girl was like four years old, and she's an orphan, um, you know, overlooked, not chosen, all of it. I'm already starting to get a little emotional. You can hear it, huh? I ain't, I ain't going there, Deontay. It's okay, man. We can hug it out afterwards, right? No, no, we can't. So um, they go into this courtroom, and they get to go into this courtroom with, these, with this couple that is adopting this young four-year-old, and he talked about his experience of being in this courtroom uh, while this adoption, this, it's the final verdict, where she's gonna possibly say, yes, I want them to be my family or no, you know? And, and uh, as he's sitting in the courtroom, the judge does something that kind of shocks everybody. The judge, you know, sitting, and it was a female judge, sitting behind, you know, her desk up there on the platform. And, and she calls this little girl by name and says, why don't you come up here with me? I wanna ask you a question. And so this little girl comes running up, you know, and she's, she's next to the judge. And the judge uh, says to her, young lady, you see, you see that couple over there who are before you who want to adopt you into their family. And she looks. I'm going to take a drink of water because it helps me. She looks. She sees them and says, do you want those two people right there in this courtroom tonight to be your family forever and always. She gave this young girl the gavel and says, if your answer is yes, say yes, and you slam down the gavel, and as soon as you slam down the gavel, I will decree that they are your forever and always family. She gave her the gavel. Little girl said, this has got to be too good to be true. Yes. And in our legal system, a little girl went from being an orphan to a daughter. Adopted. Full legal access to everything her new parents have. That's the gospel. That's it. Doesn't get deeper. You and I have been adopted into a family that we can't even comprehend. And it's better than any of us realize. I can't wrap my brain around it, but my heart feels it. And that's good enough. You know, I want to ask you something. Simple question. Do you know Jesus? Tim. 
Not do you know about them? Have you read about them? Have you attended church enough? Have you prayed enough? Have you, have you done this? And That's not what I'm asking you tonight. I'm not asking you any of that. Do you simply know him? Do you? Because if you do, understand that you have been justified. This is such good reminders for every single one of us. We are justified. We are set right and we are adopted as his children. And now we can come to him anytime we want and be before him as simply and as honestly as we possibly can because he knows you better than you know yourself. You can't fake God. You can't fool God. You were created to know your creator. You were created to say yes to Jesus. That's it. I think it's interesting that Paul prayed, the prayer that I prayed earlier at the beginning of service, I just pray that you come to know him. He didn't say, I pray that you get everything you want in this life. I pray that you get everything that you're you're believing for. He didn't even say that. He just said the most important thing. I pray that you come to know God more. I tell you what, when I think about justification, being justified, set right, and adopted into God's family, I don't know about you, but that makes me want to fellowship with him. It makes me want to talk to him. It doesn't make, I'm not afraid anymore of anything that this world can throw at me because my God is for me, and who can be against me if he's for me? Do you know him? And if I was to give you this gavel, just like the judge gave that girl the gavel that day, if I was going to give you this gavel and you were to say, I was to say, listen, do you want to be in God's family forever and always? Because here's the coolest thing about the 7411 justification of the Bible is that God wipes your slate completely clean and he sentences you to heaven and he gives you a down payment of the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that there is more to come There is more of God that you have yet not experienced and that I have not experienced. And if I was to give you the gavel and said, yes, let me in on that, what would you do? It's a simple question. I'm saying slam the gavel down, man. Come on, girlfriend, slam down the gavel. What are you waiting for? And if you are here and you are still exploring Jesus... You want to learn more about Jesus? That is absolutely 100% okay. And you are not ready to make that decision. I truly understand. And I say, keep learning more. Keep coming back. Find a good Bible-based, Jesus-believing community of believers to learn more about him. And as you learn more about him, you just might grow a little bit closer to him. And one day you're going to slam down the gavel and he's going to justify you and adopt you into his family. And if that's you, Don't wait. Slam down the gavel. Slam down the gavel. For the rest of us, you are justified. Let me remind you something right out of the gates of 2016. You are justified. You are set right by God. He doesn't see any fault in you because he sees you in Christ. And because he sees you in Christ, you are now adopted as a son and daughter into his family. You have access to him anytime you want. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like to join us live, we meet every Thursday night at 7 p.m. in the ground floor at ResLife in Granville, Michigan. Or you can watch us online at reslife.org slash live. You can also keep in touch with the Access Ministry on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at AccessRLC.